Hello, everyone, and welcome to the GN Podcast. My name is Hunter Thrasher, and I am the Creative Arts Pastor at Greenbrier Nazarene. And we have something so special for you starting right now. This is the very first episode of our four-part mini-podcast series called Saints of the Church. I've had the honor and the privilege of sitting down with two very special ladies, and I think you're going to enjoy listening to this conversation as much as I did. Before we get started, though, I'd like to thank our sponsor, the GN Kids Department. Look out for the beginnings of construction starting in just a few days, and don't forget to give to the GN Kids Center through our website or using the GN app. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and look out next week for episode two of Saints of the Church. Hey everybody and, and welcome to the first, very first Greenbrier Nazarene podcast. I'm here today with two of my most favorite ladies in our church, Miss Pat Iberg and Miss Marianne Freeman. Uh, why don't y'all why don't y'all say hello for us and just introduce yourself a little bit. Miss Marianne, why don't you go first? Hi, I'm Mary Freeman. I have been coming to this church since I was a child. My mother's father was one of the charter members of the church. Mr. Doc May, and uh, so my mother always loved the church, and I can remember we probably lived five or six miles from the church if you cut across the corners, and we came in a wagon and team at that time. We didn't have a car. This was in the 40s, and times were hard, and my mother and my three brothers and my sister and me came, the older kids were gone, and uh, we came in a wagon and team. And I remember the building. My brother told me that he remembers picking up rocks on Mr. Ed Blair's place and bringing here to rock the building. I don't remember that, but I remember we came that way. That is, that is my memories of coming here. We had egg hunts on Sunday, on Easter. Uh, that everyone would boil their eggs and we'd have egg hunts here, an old-timey egg hunt here when I was a child. But I later married here and I've been here ever since. Great. Miss Pat, tell us a little about, a bit Hi, about you. Hi, I'm Pat Iberg and I hadn't always been here. My mother was a free will Baptist and being the good Baptist, she was going to raise us as, as Baptist. But when I was 10 years old, my aunt brought me out here, and I cried all the way out here because I did not want to come to a new <laughs> church. But then after I came, well, my mother decided this is where we ought to be too. So since I was 10 years old, I've been here. And it's all my life I've had, my life has been involved in the church. Mother was really involved in the church. My dad never went to church, but mother saw that we were there. Now, if we were giving mother any trouble, dad would back her up. We had to go to church. And we came and we didn't come in a team and wagon, but we came in an old red truck. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't room for all of us in the cab, so most of us rode in the back. <laughs> and we stopped and picked up my aunt and her daughter, and we all climbed in the back and rode to church. And of course, our hair didn't look too good, <laughs> but, <laughs> but we got here anyway. That's awesome. That's great. Well, I, I, I'm so thankful that you, you two have just uh, have allowed me to ask y'all to come in here and, and just kind of talk. Um, we, we've talked a little bit about just this is being, this is about the history of 
the church. This this podcast is going to be just telling the story of Greenbrier Nazarene over these the uh, over the years. And so I just want I just want y'all to start. Um, let, let's pick one of your maybe your most favorite stories um, that you have at Greenbrier Nazarene. You've both served. Um, pretty long ten years on the board, so y'all y'all kind of know the ins and outs of everything, and y'all may know some stuff that people don't don't know. But what's your what's one of your favorite stories? One of my favorite stories is the uh, back in those days, the men and the women. If you had any men on the church board, I mean in the church, they were on the board. Mm-hmm. So it would be Charles and myself and, and uh, Lewis and Neil Dickens and Mr. George and Miss Opal, Mr. John Dickens. And uh, Pat uh, was on the board a lot there too. But anyway, we had a board meeting. And this was after Brother Sanders became our pastor, just newly our pastor. And we had a little building, outside building here, that uh, we were having Sunday school in, and we decided that we didn't need that any longer. We built the own, and we didn't need it. Well, some of the board members wanted to give that building to Pleasant Hill. And Charles, being the tight man that he was, (laughs) said, no, we can't afford to give that building away. We we need the money ourselves. And so they talked it over and over and over, and finally Charles said, I'll just buy it. I'll just buy it instead of giving it away. Give the money to the church. And so Jim O'Quinn was sitting there. Him and Judy was on the board at that time. And Jim said, yeah, let's sell it to Charles. He'll make, he'll put wheels on it and make a Winnebago out of it. <laughs> and that broke the, the tenseness in the board meeting. And we all laughed about that. And Charles bought the building. And I don't remember what he did with it. But anyway, <laughs> that was the end. That was one of our... Uh, could have been ended up not really good, but it mm-hmm. it broke the tenseness and we went right on from there. That's awesome. What about you, Miss Pat? Well, I guess it was the first time I really decided that people in the church loved me. Me and Marianne was the only people that could play the piano, and with me, that was pretty bad. <laughs> I'd have to take the the songbook to my music teacher, and she'd write the chords up above, and I'd practice so many songs, and that's all we could sing with a piano that Sunday. Well, we had a, a huge revival. A famous guy came in to hold our revival. And uh, he wanted to sing Blessed Redeemer. I'll never forget that name. <laughs> Blessed Redeemer, I said, I don't know that. He said, oh, yes, you do. I said, no, I don't. He said, you'll do fine, you'll do fine. And I could not play nothing that I hadn't already practiced. Well, the ladies on the front, that always sit on the front, there's about four of them. They said, we'll, we'll pray for you. We'll pray for you the whole time. Well, I would just, I couldn't even feel my fingers on the keys. I was so nervous at that. And you know, I didn't miss a beat. I just played that perfect. And when I looked out there, all of them had their head down. They just praying <laughs> up the storm. <laughs> and I thought, they really do love me. That, <laughs> oh, that's, that's funny. Well, now, you've got Go to know that I played until we moved to Conway, in about, and I couldn't play either. When I started playing, I'd lose my place halfway in the song, and they'd have to play the sing the rest of it without the piano, and I'd start on the next verse. And so that's the kind of music we had. Yeah. And then in 50, probably, we married in 50, and we came back to church. We lived in a little apartment in Conway, but we came back to church because Brother Ward picked us up because we didn't have a car. 
And so then in a, probably around 54, uh, we started the church at Conway because we, we couldn't come back and forth. And we went about three years probably at Conway First Church. And then we moved back out here and started back to church again. That was the worst three years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's when Pat started. That's playing. when you were playing piano. Huh? Mother was, she was, she led singing. And that was the, she, there was no excuse for me not playing the piano. <laughs> and I, I just, every time Marianne would, she'd visit sometime, I'd try to go back there and get her to play. <laughs> you want to play now? You want to play? <laughs> well, I know, I know very well what it feels like for your parents to lead worship music. <laughs> so yeah. the, the pressures that <laughs> yeah. come with that. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Miss Marianne, I want to. You mentioned just one at the very beginning of your story how when when there were men in the church, um, that they would be on the board. But we we've talked about a little bit. Um, I've talked about this with both of you. But there was a time in our church when um, we totally lacked men and mm-hmm. in leaders, not only in leadership but in attendance. Mm-hmm. Um, so just what did that look like? Uh, when when was that? And 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 just just go into that, and we'll we'll continue to talk about it. Well, I've thought a lot about it since you mentioned that to me, and uh, Charles was saved, and this may not be what you want on this program, but uh, Charles lived at McGinney Town, and about 30 young men would hang out at McGinney Town on Sunday, a little store they had there. And uh, so by this time, we had gotten a bus for the church. Brother Ward was our pastor at that time, and we had, I guess he got a bus from Ward Body Works being his brother. And so the bus was at our house, mom and daddy's house. And my daddy drove that bus and we'd go up to McGinney Town and pick up people and all that route. Anyway, one Sunday they had gotten uh, Tom Freeman and Hattie into the church. And uh, so one Sunday all these guys was there And she said to him, if you guys will get ready and come to church tonight, it ran twice twice on Sunday, she said, I'll cook you a chicken dinner next Sunday. Well, that's all them boys needed was to get a dinner. Mm -hmm. And so uh, a bunch of them piled on the bus and came, and that was Charles and me's first time to see each other. And so uh, uh, they, most of them dropped out of church but we had a revival, as Pat is talking about, and Charles got saved. And from that time on, Charles always came. And he was probably mostly the main man that mm-hmm. came to church, mm-hmm. with the exception of Mr. John Dickens. And Mr. Mr. John McNab. Dickens and Mr. McNabb. Uh, Mr. John lived across the road over here and down a little okay. bit, and he came uh, every Sunday. But back then we had young people's programs, and Charles mm-hmm. was always the president. and. It was just, we just didn't have any men. The women carried the load of the church. Now, I don't think they had trouble with uh, what little bit of money they had. Their husbands didn't, you know, keep them from giving, but it was just meager. And I remember we had, oh, when we had the Sorries too. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mr. Carol Sorry mm-hmm. and Miss Cora. And a lot of, like the McNabs and the, Sorry's paid a lot of the pastors with produce out of their mm-hmm. their gardens really? and milk from their cows and eggs from their chickens. Wow. The, our pastors at that time we had pastors before Brother Ward came. We had pastors that lived in Little Rock and that would just come up for Sundays, 
and I remember we had a lady then, uh, Helen Harris. I didn't remember her, but I've heard Mama talk about her a lot. And then we had her Oscar Stalins, which is related to the Stalins at Jonesboro. In fact, I think that's where he went back to. Really? In the early, that that was before your time, yeah, I think. Yeah, it was, it was. And, uh, but uh, the church struggled, but never gave up, never gave up. Well, I've got a list of the men that was here the main men that was here when I first started coming, there's six of them. Okay. There was Brother McNabb and Charles and Olin and Anderson Hartsfield and George Leblon and Brother Sari. And that, that was six that was men it. out of, how, uh, how, what was the average what, attendance? What we have, 30, 35, 40. Wow. <laughs> well, you know, you, you think about it, it might have been 35 or 40, but we had periods in there. Oh, yeah. That when we'd have a revival, we'd get up around 100. Oh, I yeah. remember a Sunday really? we had 105. Yeah, we would. We would. And, uh, but on the average, like Sunday, Sunday night, it was yeah. low. But now during that bus time, we yeah. had big crowds. Yeah, we did. Here. Well, wow. but that was after some of those pastors, and then we had some pastors. Brother Ward left then. Brother Ward was our pastor twice. Okay. He left then, and I guess that must have been. You said when you started, it was in the '60s, and we had I a think lady. So. We had a lady uh, pastor, and her name was Marie Brown, and she lived down here with Miss Sheena McCracken at the time here in Greenbar, and that's the only. Lady pastor, I remember. Yeah, that, I don't. I, I just had. barely remember her. And yeah. well, I said sixties, but I, I guess I started here in the fifties, because Kathy was born in nineteen fifty-four. Yeah, you had to because yeah. I left. We yeah. left. Yeah, yeah. So. so, how did that that period of time when it was just where it, where it was just those six men mainly um, that were here? What? How? How did you see that? Um, affect the way that the church ministered to Greenbrier and the people in the church? How, how did you, how, how did that, how did that look um, back then? Well, I guess what I'm, what I'm asking uh, is, what, did that, were there, were there complications um, ministering to people because of that back then? Because that was, that was a time whenever, not, not really? We didn't have much outreach at no. that time. Okay. No. For one thing, all the roads were dirt roads, and so you didn't go you didn't reach out very far, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you just you just didn't. Your ministry was pretty well at home, mm-hmm. <laughs> and your neighbors, because uh, you couldn't go. And right. and as far as participating in anything in Greenbrier, there wasn't much to participate in. Right. And mm-hmm. so I mean I'm sure that our schools were doing good, but but back then uh, the the pastors worked full-time jobs and they couldn't participate in the school and like we have kids now that we that we help support at school right well all the kids were about the same there Mm -hmm. may have been a few worse off than i i didn't know i was poor but i was Mm -hmm. but everybody was just like me but when we first started growing our church is when brother harrison came and he had a little bitty car i don't know what kind it was but he had a little bitty car and he drove all over those country roads. Sometimes he'd be stuck and they'd have to pull him out, but he visited and he visited and he, he got people to come in. That's when I remember him first, wow. our church first began to get better. So grow. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. He was more of a pastor than yeah. he was a preacher. A preacher. He really yeah. wasn't that yeah. great a minister, really? yeah. but he loved people. Mm-hmm. 
And some of his people that he visited with and witnessed to and prayed with didn't get in church. They didn't come, but in later times they did. Yeah. They started going to church. Some of them mm -hmm. their church, some to their other churches. Really, he's the one that got Lola May and Olin in. Mm -hmm. they, had, they raised their children in the Methodist church up at Centerville. Okay. And, and that little church was just really had, was just about to die. And so he got them to come in to this church. Okay. Well, let me ask you, um, you, you, you asked me to remind you about this. Um, you mentioned Mr. Liblong in one of those names. Um, you, you told me to remind you about, to tell, you, to tell the story about Miss, Miss Opal Liblong and, and the revival. Um, Y'all have mentioned lots of revivals. Uh, <laughs> I, I know that revivals are, are something that they have a rich history in our church. So, mm -hmm. so, and I know that you have a really powerful story about this. Well, I think the minister that, Kat, that Pat was talking about a while ago was a Brother Johnson that was the uh, uh, district superintendent. Actually, I think he was of South Arkansas, and I don't know how we got him to come up here, but he held a revival, and we had a lot of people saved during that revival, and, and some of them stayed with the church, and some didn't, you know how that goes. Yeah. But the revival that I'm speaking of was before my time. Miss Opal was a dedicated member here when the church was really, really small, and she, got the McNabb family, uh, started to church here. And uh, in this one particular revival, which I don't have a clue who was holding it, there was only one person saved, and she was about 10 years old. And so by all accounts that anyone would give, it was a failure. But she went on and made a nurse at St. Vincent's, and then was a missionary for, in Africa for, I don't know him until she retired. Wow. And uh, delivered lots of little babies in Mozambique. Mozambique. Uh, Africa. Wow. So that one, the, the, the failed revival probably did more than maybe any yeah. other revival mm -hmm. that the, the church showed. That, that, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. um, I love those kind of stories. Uh, we, we've, we've talked a lot about the, uh, the, like your favorite memories and some successes of the church, but uh, I'm really wanting to tell just the whole story of Greenbrier Nazarene. Um, and so what, what's one, one period of time that you can think of when, when our church really, really struggled? Well, I guess for me it was when our pastor brother Schreffler came. And he, I don't know that he could do anything except <laughs> preach. <laughs> And he was he was a good man, and I, and you just you really liked him when you talked to him. And, yeah. And he had two little boys, and he lived on the corner up here where you turn off to go to Woolly Hollow. And he didn't have a, any other job except preaching. And I don't know that we could even pay him a salary. So he almost starved to death. Wow. People brought him things from their house to feed him and his family. And I remember Mother going out in the garden and picking stuff out of the garden and everything and taking to him. And just like Marion said, they took their eggs and milk from the cows. And, and if it hadn't been for that, I don't know that he would have survived. Wow. And that, that was a bad time. Yeah. And from all that period in there, we struggled. And even when Brother Sanders came, we struggled to pay his salary sometime. And uh, so we've had a hard time but we always had this in the back of our mind that church come first. 
You always went to church. You stood behind your church. That was instilled in all of us. Mm. You never thought of giving up. No, yeah. no. You just you just kept staying in there and staying in there. And so I think that's, to me, that is why we're a successful church today, is that all the older people before me had that, had that mentality to stay with the church, and yeah. they didn't give up. Wow. And so God's honored that. And it's not only, it wasn't just our church that was struggling no. because the times right. were hard then. Mm -hmm. yeah. Up until World War II, there just wasn't any money. And yeah. so it was hard. And, uh, and then through that, a lot of people moved away and it was hard. But Brother Scheffler and his wife, I can't remember her name, they yeah. didn't even have a washing machine. Mm -hmm. And we had a washing machine, but no dryer. And so they would come to our house and wash their clothes and then take them home and hang them up and Golly. So that was something that was pretty, Just was that just this area or was it around the country pretty much that the churches were struggling financially? Um, was that something that was like nationwide or, or was it just? Well, all, we're, we were a country church then. Right. And, I, and I'm... I just think all country churches were like that. Yeah. I know the little Soda Valley Church over here. They struggled. Right. And I think most of the country churches were struggling. I think so, too. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It was a period of time yeah. that the whole country was uh -huh. in. And uh, and I'm sure before us, when they started their church, I'm sure it was hard, hard times back then. So I don't know. I'm like Pat. Probably it was the country part. Because this really used to be rural mm -hmm. back before the yeah. highways and, right. and things came in right and wow. pat was talking about riding in the trucks and the dirt roads and so you can imagine what we had a wood stove that would fire up yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if you're if you're ready for the good part but one of my most precious memories of our church and i have many 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 there's certain people in our church down through the years that has been a stepping stone in my life. Mm -hmm. I don't know where I'd be if it hadn't been for a lot of people that have gone on that I admired and helped us. Uh, but I think one of the proudest moments in my life was when we actually dedicated our building that we're in now. Mm -hmm. And it, the church was full. And I'll never forget my boss was uh, Mr. Daugherty and he was a, a good Baptist. And they had, the, the bank had loaned us money. And so he was here for the dedication. And we called, we sang, called unto holiness. And he had never heard that song. And the church, the sides were just, just swelling out because of the, the way the church was saying it. Because we had a lot of people come in from different churches on the district. Yeah. And, uh, and I was so proud. I was so proud that I felt like that, uh, the years of struggle, which it wasn't all struggle, there was some mm -hmm. wonderful things. I tell every young person I see that if it hadn't been for the Lord and the church, Charles and me would have never made it. We were children when we married, mm -hmm. and it's the thing that kept us steady down through the years. Wow. And the Lord has blessed us. Uh, my, you probably don't want this on this, but you can take it out. <laughs> my favorite scripture is Matthew six twenty eight: Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Mm -hmm. To me, the all these things is the extra that you 
are blessed with. Right. And that is, have I always been perfect? No, I've messed up so many times, but the Lord has been perfect and has, has blessed me more than I ever could ask for or deserve. Wow. Well, another thing about people being in your life, all the older people help raise all That's the children. Right. Yes. Yep. If they saw mm -hmm. you doing something, mm -hmm. it wouldn't bother them to take you outside and, and just tell you about it. Mm -hmm. And my mother or any of the other mother never cared. I mean, that was part of it. I know I wrote in a songbook one time, and Miss McCracken, Larry's grandmother, saw me. And boy, she took me outside and she gave me what for. <laughs> I never wanted to write in another songbook again. <laughs> but they all they all helped each other raise yeah. raise us as we came up. And that that meant a lot to me. Mm -hmm. To have I can just name the the people yep. that's in my life. And sometimes in my prayers I thank God that I had those people in my life. Mm -hmm. Because yep. I don't know what would have happened to me if I hadn't have had those people? That's Absolutely. the reason I like to be close to kids yeah. Yeah. and young people and young married people mm -hmm. now. Yeah. I want to be that encourager yeah. that those people were to me. Mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. And yes. the young people now, oh, they have it so nice now compared to what we did. Mm -hmm. We didn't have a places to go and everything. Yeah. Mother really liked young people and she'd have all the young people out her house and sometimes there's 15 or 20 and she'd make cakes and stuff and and we'd have parties out there and we'd just play games and that's about the extent of all of our young people having anything to do with us my grandma would play games with us and they all loved her and mm -hmm. we had a big family time and so that that's all we had for our young people so wow. I always want to mm -hmm. support the young people now for the things they get to do and get to be with other young people because I think that's important for them to be around other Christian young people. Oh, absolutely. Because if, if yes. you're not associated with other Christian young people, it's hard for you out there. It mm -hmm. is. It's tough. And mm -hmm. that's why I want to keep Evan in, in church. I, I've, I've just made it my goal in life to see that he's here on Wednesday night yep. because he gets more things in that team group than he does anywhere else. Yeah. Wow. That's, well, let me, let me, I'm going to play off what y'all are talking about right, right now. Um, if there was, there's lots of younger couples and people in our church right now that are pretty new to, to our church. So if you, if you were going to talk to, and I know that both of you do this uh, a lot anyways, but if you were, if you were to talk to a, a 20 or 30 year old couple in our church or person in our church that had just started coming to Greenbrier Nazarene, um, what's one piece of advice that you would give them? Just, just what, what I said a few minutes ago. Yeah. Set your priority mm -hmm. that you're going to worship. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you'll worship and put the Lord first in your life, His Word has promised us that He will not forsake us. Mm -hmm. And in any marriage, you have some ups and downs. And I probably should be embarrassed to say this, but when you marry as children, you fuss a lot. Mm -hmm. And we've come to church before, and maybe fuss all the way to church about some silly something and get to church and join in the singing, listen to a wonderful message and forget all about it. Yeah. And uh, to me, I, I don't think we would have ever made it had it not been for the Lord and the church because the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit, if you go to worship, the Holy Spirit will will warm your heart mm -hmm. and 
and reprove your heart if you're wrong, and uh, and you will purpose again and anew that that this is the route I want to go. That's what I tell my children and my grandchildren. If you'll always put the Lord first, then you won't have any problems. You may have problems, but you'll have something, someone to, to help, help you. you. Wow. And and the promises that he says, I stand on this all the time. He'll never leave you nor forsake mm -hmm. you. And so that's the most important thing in anybody's life is putting the Lord first. Absolutely. Wow. I think about when Charles and I married, like I said, I, I was 16, he was 20. Mm -hmm. And so I couldn't even get a job. And uh, we were so poor. Two years later, we decided to have Charlotte. I don't know why. We didn't have two nickels. <laughs> Miss Opal made my first maternity dress. I didn't wow. even have a maternity dress. And uh, and so, as we said before, the older people cared for yeah. us, helped us out. Yeah. And uh, Mr. George loaned us our first money we borrowed to buy something and got us started on buying and selling and, and things like that. But it's all connected with the church. Yeah. Yeah. It's where where it started from. Wow. I was gonna I was gonna ask right here at the at the very end, um, what has kept you in in the church in Greenburn Nazarene, like what's inspired you to stay, but I think You couldn't I, run us off. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think y'all have answered that um, pretty pretty totally. But but maybe just throw it maybe just emphasize it. Um, what 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 has really I mean through through the years of, of growing up and, and being in this church um, specifically, what what has inspired you to stay through through the tough times and the good times too? But what, but what has kept you here for so long? I think the fact that I, like I said a while ago, I learned they loved me. Yeah. And I knew that I loved all of them, and I didn't know that people that were in the church. I didn't know that they had faults and everything. I thought those people were perfect. <laughs> And I, I looked up to them yeah. and looked to them. Mm -hmm. And uh, if it hadn't been for them, like Marion said, I was 16 and Herman was 16 when we both married. So we were just little kids. Mm -hmm. And I, I could go to anybody, Miss Kennedy, whoever I wanted to, and talk to them. Well, they always had the answer. And so I think the love of the church is one thing that kept me. Wow. Well, I think, I, I guess I will give Charles credit more than myself in our younger married life, uh, the Holy Spirit would not let me get very far mm -hmm. away from the church. Because Mama had raised us. My yeah. mother was a praying woman, and she got us around her knees every night, all my growing up, and prayed with us. And uh, so I couldn't get very far. But there was periods in my life that I would get kind of discouraged. We didn't have very many. And, uh, and coming to church, I'll be honest, was a chore. But Charles, is, if anything, stubborner than I am. And he had found something that he wanted to keep. And he just refused, regardless of how good the church was doing or how slow it was doing, we came to church. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I don't know if this is even <clears throat> to our credit or not, but uh, uh, at that time we had church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And it didn't matter later, we got a TV. It didn't matter what came on on TV. You, you, you couldn't record it, no. but you went to church, yeah. you dismissed it. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and he was, uh, I think determination 
kept us sort of like in a marriage. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't run away when it gets a little hard. You go through it. Yeah. And I think that's the thing in our church. I never thought about leaving the church. Never no. did think about leaving the church. Wow. Because I was, this is where my life was. And wow. uh, I was just dedicated. Well, all young married people, when they begin to have children, they need to see that they're in the church where they want to be or not. Mm -hmm. Now, that's mm -hmm. one thing, like Marion said, I, I didn't have a choice of ever going to church, yeah. whether I wanted to or not. And I've, I've watched down through the years now, my husband wasn't a Christian most of the time. And I, I had it on me to make the kids come to church. But I've watched people that, that they were both in the church and they were both behind those children, bringing them to church. Their children turned out better than mine did because they had that thing that I had, mm -hmm. that the stay with it. Wow. And the thing that they looked to, to, to God. And I, I would tell everybody, every young person, have your kids in church every Sunday. Wow. It'll save your marriage. Yeah, it will save you a lot of trouble. That is that is in, in, incredible. Um, I just want to thank you all so much for, for doing this for, for me once again. Um, I, we're going to continue with just some other people and some other interviews going forwards, but I think this is the perfect place to start. Um, do y'all have any final thoughts or anything else that, that you that's on your mind or on your heart that you'd like to share? You've got an open mic, so anything you want to say to, to Greenbrier Nazarene? Well, I have been young and now I'm old. Yeah. <laughs> and the scripture says, I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. I have lived with that. It's been a wonderful, glorious experience. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. We made lots of mistakes, but with God's help, He helped us out of it. <laughs> we probably failed with our children, but we've raised children that are respectful to us, mm -hmm. that love us. And this last year, with Charles's accident, I, I, I wouldn't take anything from the church We've got so many young couples that have been so good to us, that have called us, that has helped us. And you know, if you're not in a church, you don't have that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I won't name names because I'd leave someone out, but all oh, they've been so wonderful to us and loved us. And, and Charles and me just marvel that young married people would care for us, mm -hmm. two old people. And uh, we don't know what the future holds. None of us knows what the future holds. But I am thoroughly convinced that whatever the future holds, that God is with us. He always has been. It's been a wonderful journey with him. And if I sit here and told you the many things that he has brought us through, how he's helped us, yeah. you wouldn't believe it. He's just been there to supply our every need, more than we ever dreamed or more than we ever deserved. And so my desire is to pass that on. If I can be of an encouragement to anyone, if I can help them anyway with anything, I want to give back what people that are all gone gave to me. Mm -hmm. And it's been all through the church, all through the church. The church is the thing that will keep you steady when everything else is falling around you. And that's my testimony today. Well, I guess mine is I really, well, when Herman, my husband, passed away, I'm, you're so alone 
and you think there's nowhere to turn. But the church, they just keep sending you cards. They keep visiting you. They, they never leave you alone. And and like Marion, if, if I could mention everything that the Lord has done for me, actually, I've had to live from day to day with the Lord. And some days, I might not have enough money to go, go through that day, but it come from somewhere. The Lord has never let me do without since Herman passed away. Wow. And that's one thing that when you lose your spouse, you, you, you had him to go to. But when you lose him, you think, well, what am I going to do now? You don't want to go to your children. You don't want to burden them. But God has come through. He's come through with everything for me. And so I could never, never go back on the church or never say anything negative about my church. Well, thanks everybody for listening to the very first episode of Saints of the Church. You can catch the next episode at the same time next week, and we're going to be hearing from two guys that you probably know, Larry Johnson and Ronnie Garrett. You guys have a great week.